1: Mariah and Steve, co hosts of Swing Left's How We Win podcast.
2: Two years ago, with your help, Democrats won the trifecta in Virginia. The election to keep Virginia blue is on November 2nd, and actually, early voting has already started. We're asking you to go to swingleft.org and help us win again.
1: If we get voters fired up and turned out, we'll keep Virginia blue. We can't let the GOP win. A Republican victory would move Virginia backwards, and it would dramatically weaken Democrats' chances in the midterms.
2: Go to swingleft.org slash Virginia, and you can help us win.
1: No matter where you live, you can make an impact. You can join a virtual phone bank, write letters to voters, and donate to the races that need the money the most.
2: Let's show the GOP that we will not stop fighting for our democracy.
1: Go to swingleft.org Virginia and sign up to volunteer. That is how we win.
3: Hey all, this is Glenn Kirshner and you're listening to Muller She Wrote. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
0: Hello, and welcome to Muller, She Wrote. I'm your host, Allison Gill, also known as AG. A Big show today. I have an update on Andy McCabe's lawsuit for you. I have a little Matt Gates sprinkled in. A second Facebook whistleblower has come forward. Got some more info on Tom Barrick. And of course, the Parnas and Fruman show. We have an update there. We have some news on the insurrection. And of course, some sabotage in the Fantasy Indictment League. Now, I, w- I want to take a minute also to thank our patrons. Patrons, you make this show possible. Um, And we just opened up for the holidays, Patrons Helping Patrons. You can go to dailybeanspod.com or molashirote.com, scroll down to the bottom and click on Patrons Helping Patrons for just 3 bucks a month, $36. You can buy a year's subscription. To the premium feed for Muller She Wrote, the MSW Book Club, and the Daily Beans, which gets you ad-free episodes of all of those shows, plus bonus content, information on meet-and-greet activity. I'm going to be doing some happy hours in Boston, New York, and D.C., Uh, the week of October 22nd through the 28th, and all that information will be on there. And um, what else? There's just so much that you get. And if you can't, there's a lot of people who can't afford to swing it. So if you want to buy a year's premium subscription, or if you want to sign up to get a donated subscription to our premium feed, again, MullerSheWrote.com, scroll to the bottom, click on Patrons Helping Patrons. Uh, Also, we're about to drop the final two episodes of the Mary Trump Book Club, the MSW Book Club, covering The Reckoning by Mary Trump, And we have confirmed, beginning November 7th, that we will start Alex Vindman's book called Here, Right Matters. And I've started dropping some Zoom interviews on the Mueller She Wrote and Daily Bean's YouTube channel, so please subscribe there if you're into it. Uh, We have a lot to get to, so let's jump in with just the facts. All right, first up, the Justice Department has agreed to restore full law enforcement benefits and provide some attorney's fees. For former FBI deputy director Andy McCabe, who was fired by the Trump administration only hours before his retirement three years ago, Uh, he contested that he actually had met his requirements for retirement in his lawsuit. The settlement will resolve that lawsuit, who argued, uh, McCabe argued that his ouster was a result of a years-long public vendetta driven by the former president. And also, technically, they did it wrong. Um, The Justice Department demoted and then dismissed him on the eve of his 50th birthday in March of 2018 when the FBI annuity would have vested, quote, I think the message that you get loud and clear from the terms of the settlement is that this never should have happened. That's what McCabe says. It feels like complete vindication because that's what it is. The agreement follows a scathing online campaign by the former guy to tarnish McCabe, who spent 21 years in service at the bureau. NPR says a day after the dismissal, Trump tweeted that it represented a great day for the hardworking men and women of the FBI, a great day for democracy. Earlier, Trump had pushed the bureau to clean house and urged authorities to take action against Andy before his planned retirement. He urged it publicly. In his lawsuit, McCabe argued the firing violated his First Amendment rights by punishing him for the perceived affiliation with the Democratic Party and violated his Fifth Amendment due process rights by leaving him with little time to review evidence against him and prepare a defense in early 2018. One of McCabe's attorneys at the time said a senior Justice Department official told him the department was making things up as it went along. Correspondence among the FBI, Justice Department, and Inspector General obtained through the Freedom of Information Act and other means suggested a race to get rid of McCabe under pressure from the White House. The settlement talks intensified only after U.S. District Judge Randy Moss gave McCabe's lawyer a green light to seek documents and testimony from former and current officials involved in the firing, including then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions, then-Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, and FBI Director Christopher Wray. Trump had accused McCabe of conflicts of interest because McCabe's wife, Jill McCabe, ran without success for a seat in the Virginia Senate and accepted contributions from the Democratic Party and the then-Virginia governor, Terry McAuliffe, a longtime ally of the Clintons. Andrew McCabe countered that he had run the arrangement past FBI lawyers and ethics officials, and he had documents to prove it. Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz later examined McCabe's conduct as part of a broader review of FBI activities in 2016, and he concluded that McCabe lacked candor. When he spoke with investigators, spoke with investigators about disclosures he authorized to the Wall Street Journal during the heated presidential race. Prosecutors brought the matter to a federal grand jury in D.C., but McCabe was never charged with wrongdoing. McCabe said the Inspector General report was used by senior Justice Department officials as pretext to fire him. McCabe opened the investigations into Trump after the then president fired then FBI Director James Comey in the spring of 2017. Quote, the thing that concerns me going forward is firing me 26 hours before my retirement, sends an unbelievably chilling message to the rest of the men and women of the FBI. That's what McCabe told NPR's Morning Edition two years ago. He continued to say, it sends a message that if you stand up for what you think is right, you do the right thing and you honor your obligations to this organization and the Constitution, that you too could be personally targeted and lose those things that you've been building toward your whole career. Uh, the, The Justice Department did not admit wrongdoing or apologize to McCabe in the court filing late Thursday. But one part of the document says the parties agree the executive branch officials outside the Department of Justice and its components should not comment publicly on ongoing career civil service employee disciplinary matters so as to create any appearance of improper political influence. I wonder if that pertains to me. A settlement follows mediation between McCabe and the Justice Department this summer. The deal will restore McCabe's full retirement package, purge his personnel file saying he's never been fired or, you know, anything about it, and allow for the return of his FBI badge and covers fees for his attorneys at Arnold and Porter Law Firm. His attorney, Murad Hussain, said what happened to Andrew was a travesty, not just for him and his family, but the rule of law. And he's right. You know, I mean, again, it goes toward that chilling effect that Andrew said that we should be reporting these kinds of things and speaking out about them. He said that uh, the lawyer said they filed the lawsuit in part to take a stand for the rights of all civil servants, and that's exactly what this settlement does. And I'm going to be uh, hopefully quoting this in in my litigation for my uh, removal. Let me read to you from the settlement here. Here's what he gets. A payment of a lump sum representing all retirement annuity payments, including annuity supplement payments that he would have otherwise received from April 1st, 2018 annuity commencement date until the day before his paid first regular monthly payment which would be computed in accordance with all relevant statutory and regulatory provisions, and which will not deduct or withhold any amounts for benefits not received or for taxes not owed during that time period specified above, unless such deductions and or withholdings are required by relevant statutory or regulatory provisions. Also, prospectively from the date of his first regular monthly payment through the federal retirement system, all periodic annuity payments, including supplemental payments, consistent with his March 19, 2018 retirement date, uh, and C, the ability to enroll in the BCBS standard option self- and family health insurance coverage, which was waived because he was fired, and that will take effect the first day of the month of his regular monthly annuity payment after full execution of this agreement, and D, the following additional benefits. First, plaintiff's official FBI credentials, badge, and time in service award, keys. Mounted to the format typically provided to retiring FBI deputy directors and other senior executives. Two, retired FBI credentials, as are typically provided to retiring FBI deputy directors and all other senior executives. And three, uh, the identification card defined in 18 U.S. Code, Section 926C, D2A. And finally, senior executive service cufflinks. Awesome. Defendants also agree to pay $539,348.15 to the plaintiff pursuant to the Equal Access to Justice Act and in full settlement and satisfaction of all attorneys' fees, costs, and expenses. Payments shall be made to plaintiff via electronic funds and transfer to Arnold and Porter, K. Shoulder LLP, etc., etc. Um, yeah, pretty amazing. Congrats to our friend Andy. And I'm sending all the love to you and your family, Jill and the kids. Ugh. So great. Such good news. Um, and uh, he has personally reached out to me and, and said he's extremely happy. <laughs> we'll be right we'll be right back after this uh, quick message. We have a lot to get to, so stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's A.G. Thanks for supporting this podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Scribd, which I love, because I'm constantly struggling to find the right book or audio book or podcast. There's an endless amount of content today, and I feel like I spend as much time scrolling for my next book as I do actually reading it, kind of like Netflix. Uh, but with Scribd, I get thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what I've read, which makes choosing my next book or periodical quicker and easier than ever. With Scribd, you get instant access to millions of ebooks and audiobooks, magazines, court filings, <laughs> um, papers, documents, dissertations, and more all with one low monthly subscription. It's the ultimate reading subscription service, letting you explore all of your interests in any format you choose for only $9.99 a month. I love using their service. I get to discover must-read new work from celebrated authors like Roxane Gay, Charles Yu and more premiering exclusively on Scribd and when I want to change things up I'm free to switch between titles, genres and formats at any time on my phone, tablet or computer wherever I'm reading right now we're offering listeners of this show a free 60 day trial so go to try.scribd.com for your free trial that's try.scribd scrib to get 60 days of Scribd for free, that's amazing you'll be glad you did Alrighty, more headlines for you today. Sophie Zhang, a former Facebook data scientist who went public with her criticisms of the company in April 2021, has told CNN she's willing to testify before Congress. Zhang also said on Twitter on Sunday that she had provided U.S. law enforcement agency, uh, one of them, with detailed documentation regarding potential criminal violations at Facebook. When asked by CNN, Zhang did not say which agency she gave the documents to. An FBI spokesperson declined to comment. Quote, if Congress wishes for me to testify, I will fulfill my civic duty, as I've publicly stated for the past half year, she said in a tweet on Monday that linked to her CNN interview. Speaking to CNN, uh, Zhang says she was encouraged by the apparent bipartisan support for action against Facebook after Frances Haugen, another Facebook whistleblower, testified about children's safety on Facebook and Instagram uh, in a congressional hearing on October 5th. Zhang was fired from Facebook in September 2020. But before she left, she posted a 7,800-word memo detailing how she believed the company allowed authoritarian regimes around the world to manipulate its platform. Quote, I have blood on my hands, she said in the memo, which was retained by BuzzFeed. Zhang wrote that she was officially being fired for poor performance. As well as posting the memo internally, Zhang uploaded it to her personal website. And in July, she told MIT Technology Review that Facebook had issued a complaint to her hosting server and that her website was subsequently taken offline. In a statement to Insider, a Facebook spokesperson said, quote, we've invested 13 billion in the safety and security of our platform and have 40,000 people who review content in 50 different languages working in 20 locations across the world to support our community. We have also taken down over 150 networks seeking to manipulate public debate since 2017, although they left Trump's shit up before the insurrection. And they have originated in over 50 countries, with the majority coming from our focused uh, outside of the U.S., uh, from our focuses outside the U.S., I think. Our track record shows we crack down on abuse abroad with the same intensity that we apply in the U.S. Yeah, whatever. Now, Zuck said last week that Haugen's characterization, that's the first whistleblower, of the company was a false picture. Hmm. Mm, figures. And in Tom Barrack land, Barrack's defense attorneys have their work cut out for them given the breadth and specificity of the evidence in that 45-page federal indictment we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, prosecutors allege that uh, Tom Barrack secretly took direction from the government of the UAE and used his status as an informal advisor to the Trump White House on Middle East strategy to push for the policies that Emirati officials told him to. In a case that features a co-defendant who was working for the UAE's intelligence service and sensitive subjects like the U.S. policy in the Middle East— Experts say there are several unusual paths the defense could take, (laughs) provided he just doesn't flip, right? Uh, Let's see. Uh, For example, if Barack's lawyers try to argue the White House knew he was working on behalf of the UAE, the conversations Barrack had with U.S. officials telling them whom he was working for could actually contain classified material. And in the event that they do, there's a chance Barrack's defense lawyers could resort to a legal defense tactic called graymail. Now, gray mail happens when the defense threatens to expose classified government information during the course of a trial in the hopes of forcing the government to drop the case rather than risk the exposure of potentially damaging state secrets or agents or sources and methods. Barrack's attorney did not respond to questions from CNBC about that particular strategy. And since this was written, we know that Barrack has gotten rid of two of his high-powered trial attorneys. And I have inside information rumors intelligence from what I would consider a pretty uh, reliable source that he is cooperating but again not corroborated by any other media outlet quote it's absolutely possible that the defense will threaten to expose classified information in order to prove Tom wasn't acting without anyone's knowledge that was a former top national security official who was granted anonymity to discuss how classified material is used in order to prevent defense attorneys and national security cases from deploying gray mail, prosecutors typically tailor their strategy to avoid making classified material relevant or necessary as part of their defense. Tom Barrick, obviously a longtime ally of Donald, was charged alongside Al Malik, an Emirati national with close ties to the royal family, and Matthew Grimes, a junior employee at Colony Capital, which Tom Barrick founded. Grimes and Barrick have pleaded not guilty. Al Malik is still at large. But again, don't forget, don't forget in last week's sabotage, uh, Tom Barrick removed his high-powered trial lawyers. Up next, an associate of Rudy Giuliani, who hobnobbed at events attended by then-president Donald Trump, illegally funneled foreign funds from a Russian investor to American political candidates to try to win their loyalty and earn favors. And that's according to prosecutors who argued on the first day of Lev Parnas's trial. Parnas and Kukushkin allegedly conspired to transfer a million dollars from Andrei Moravyev to donate to candidates who could potentially assist in getting licenses to run legal recreational cannabis businesses. Moravyev has not been charged so far. Quote, this is what secret foreign money infiltrating American elections looks like. That's assistant U.S. attorney Aline Floater. She said that in her opening statement in court in Manhattan. District Court, U.S. District Court this week. Floater argued that Parnas and Kukushkin were well aware of U.S. election laws that prohibited straw donations from foreign sources. She told jurors that text messages and email evidence will prove the pair purposely sought to hide the true source of the donations and blatantly violated the law. Parnas also faces charges that he concealed the source of $325,000 of a donation in March 2018 to America First Action, which is a Trump PAC. He and his business partner, Fruman, who previously pleaded guilty, sorry, pled guilty to soliciting foreign campaign contributions, allegedly told the PAC uh, that the funds were from their startup business, Global Energy Producers, but the company was a sham and generated no revenue. (laughs) Uh, Parnas also allegedly lied to the FEC about the hefty contribution to the Republican Fundraising Committee, which prosecutors say amounted to another straw donation. Uh, Large donations that uh, were not really his own, prosecutors allege, brought Parnas access to events with political heavyweights, including a -a Mar-a-Lago fundraiser attended by Trump himself around the 2018 midterms. Parnas and Fruman were arrested in dramatic fashion in October of 2019, happy two-year anniversary, at Dulles International Airport when they had one-way tickets to Frankfurt, Germany. Their association with Giuliani, by the way, who's not charged in this case and is considered ancillary figures in this particular case... Uh, and their role in assisting his efforts to trying to dig up dirt on Biden and his son Hunter before the 2020 election played heavily in Trump's first impeachment trial. It's also being investigated in the Southern District of New York separately and in the Eastern District of New York. Kukushkin's lawyer, Gerald Leftcourt, painted his client as someone who was totally uninterested in politics and could not have been involved trying to skirt U.S. election laws because he's never voted in his life and he has nothing to do with contributions. (laughs) The first witness... Wesley Carl Duncan ran for attorney general in 2018 in Nevada, where Parnas and Kukushkin allegedly hoped uh, to help launch a marijuana business there. Duncan met Parnas during fundraising efforts by his campaign and testified that all donors had to confirm that they were U.S. citizens before submitting funding. Duncan said Fruman, in coordination with Parnas, donated $10,000 to his campaign, the max allowed. And when Duncan's campaign staffers found out the source of the money was questionable, they took action. He said, as soon as we had a doubt about who sent the money, I contacted the treasurer of the campaign and had them write a check to Mr. Fruman and sent it back to them. (laughs) This trial continues and we'll cover it again next week. And uh, I'll be right back with more news after this. Stay with us. Everybody, it's AG in this segment of Muller She wrote, "It's brought to you by the Wild Alaskan Company. I love these. If you, if you love to cook, you know that flavorful meals start with high-quality food and simple, clean ingredients. With Wild Alaskan Company, their seafood is frozen right after it's caught for peak freshness. So you can avoid the fuss of unhealthy sauces and over-seasoning, which I hate. Instead, all you need are a few simple ingredients. You've got a delicious lunch or dinner for you or your whole family. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced wild-caught seafood right to your door." Each shipment contains premium cuts of individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that are ready to prepare and easy to cook. Choose from salmon, cod, halibut, and more, or a combination. And every month, there are different specials to explore. Wild Alaskan Company Seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed, never modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. And right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MSW. That's wildalaskan, A-L-A-S-K-A-N, A-L-A-S-K-A-N company.com slash MSW for $15 off your first box, wildalaskancompany.com slash MSW. And please use our URL to let them know we sent you. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. Of all the headline writers in all the land, I have to say Vanity Fair is the best. Their latest piece is called Biden Announces He'll Be Exposing Trump's Traitorous Ass. And this story comes from Bess Levin at Vanity Fair. She says, as you've no doubt heard by now, Trump really, really doesn't want people to find out exactly what he was up to on January 6th, 2021, probably because it makes him look really, really bad. We know he feels this way because he's responded to the House Select Committee's investigation into the events of the day like a caged feral pigeon, she says, frantically flapping his wings, shitting everywhere, because his lawyer has instructed at least four of his lackeys to obstruct justice. And because he's insisted that any and all documents detailing what he was doing before, during, and after the Capitol attack must remain under lock and key. In a letter sent to the National Archives on Friday... Trump wrote that the records sought by the committee contain information shielded by executive and other privileges, including but not limited to the presidential communications, deliberative process privilege, okay, and attorney-client privileges. Yeah, right. Adding that he would assert the same privilege in the case of any future requests. Only, as Donald may or may not know, he's no longer the president and therefore has no executive privilege to assert. Instead, there's a new president in the White House, and that guy says the documents are going to Congress twice now. Here's from the Washington Post. President Joe Biden rejected former President Trump's request to block documents from a House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol. That's what the White House said on Friday, likely setting up a legal and political battle. Trump has claimed executive privilege and seeking to evade the committee's demands for details about Trump and his aides activities during the January 6th attack. But in the letter to the National Archives and Records Administration, the White House said Biden determined that an assertion of executive privilege is not in the best interest of the United States. He said, we, we've reviewed your request. Nah. At a White House briefing, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the Biden decision reflected the gravity of the attack. The president's dedicated to ensuring that something like that could never happen again, which is why the administration is cooperating with ongoing investigations. The president has determined that an assertion of executive privilege is not warranted for the first set of documents from the Trump White House and that, that have been provided to us by the National Archives. She went on to say the other day when somebody asked her, you know, well, isn't Joe Biden afraid that this could hurt him, set the wrong precedent in the future? And she's like, we're pretty sure that Joe Biden is not going to uh, incite an attack on the Capitol or try to overthrow the government. But thanks for playing. That was a great sake bomb. Biden's decision came after Trump told four former advisors, according to Politico, not to comply with congressional subpoenas. Steve Bannon told the committee he won't be responding. According to The Post, former chief of staff Mark Meadows and Kash Patel, national security aide, former are said to be engaging with the committee because they don't want to go to jail. And that's in the face of Trump's demands. Quote, while Mr. Meadows and Mr. Patel are so far engaged with the select committee, Mr. Bannon has indicated he will try to hide behind vague references to privileges of the former president. And that's the committee's leader saying and his talking in a, in a statement released on last Friday. The committee added that it is considering holding Bannon in criminal contempt. And since the publication of this article, they have started that procedure the vote will happen on Tuesday on the resolution in the committee, and then the full House will vote on it. And then if at that passes, they will make the referrals. And, of course, Biden's decision triggers at least a 30-day window for Trump to challenge the call in court, but some say not so much. I would I encourage you to listen to Terry Kanefield's discussion with me uh, on the beans this past week. And on Bannon, you know, the criminal contempt thing is going forward. And will they also use inherent contempt? Many of the members of the committee have talked about inherent contempt. And they are not mutually exclusive, according to Glenn Kirshner. And we'll keep you posted on the beans. And you might have heard through the grapevine that the statute of limitations on the Stormy Daniel Hush money payment scheme is about to expire. Allow me to set your mind at ease. Uh, even if you go by strictly the, the first initial crime in that scheme... Uh, it, that would that would expire October 29th. However, payments were made to pay back Cohen, who took out a mortgage on his house to make the $130,000 payment. Those payments were made falsifying business records by saying that they were for legal fees. And one of the latest checks is dated August 2017, which would put the statute of limitations into August of 2022 at least. Because we know that the statute of limitations clock doesn't start ticking until you stop criming in that particular scheme at least. Although, for safety's sake, if I were there, if I were in the Southern District of New York, and I was going to go through the process of reopening this case, which I honestly don't think that they will, but if I was gonna, I would file an indictment under seal before October 29th this month, just in case. I wouldn't have to make that argument in court. All right, stick around for sabotage in the fantasy indictment league right after this. Stay with us. Hey everybody, it's AG and this portion of Mueller, She Road is brought to you by Wealthfront. If you want to invest for the long term, it helps to invest on your terms. Maybe you're pro-solar. Maybe you're a cannabis supporter. Maybe you're an emerging market crypto nerd. I don't know. Whoever you are, you should invest in what you believe in, and that's what makes Wealthfront so great. In just minutes, you can get started with Wealth, Wealthfront's classic portfolio, or you can make things custom with the investments you care about most. Wealthfront offers a socially responsible portfolio, a mix of funds built around human rights, climate change, and sustainability. Wealthfront is super easy to personalize, meaning you can tweak your portfolio to match the things you care about, like clean energy funds, crypto trusts, cannabis, plus hundreds more. No matter what you're into, Wealthfront will help you build wealth responsibly and protect you from making a bad mistake, like going all in on some bad advice you got on Reddit. Best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they even help you lower your tax bill as you invest. It's streamlined, it's effortless, it's socially conscious... And it works like a charm or like really exceptional software. <laughs> Get your first $5,000 managed for free at Wealthfront.com slash MSW. Start building your wealth today at Wealthfront.com slash MSW. Again, Wealthfront, F-R-O-N-T dot slash MSW. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. You ready for some sabotage? <music> On Wednesday, Business Insider reported that friends of Matt Gates are wary of texting him and careful of what they say when they do, because they assume FBI agents are monitoring all of his communications. <laughs> Quote, Matt Gaetz's friends think twice these days before texting the Florida Republican congressman. That's Robin uh, Bravender at Business Insider. Quote, they know there's a massive investigation going on. And that's one Gates friend. Talking to Insider, that makes people hesitant to reach out. That's another of Gates' friends agreed, saying it's a natural sort of reaction. No one wants to inject themselves into anything while there's 16 dozen people looking into everything that comes into that phone. (laughs) Gates has been caught up in a federal investigation, as we know, into underage sex trafficking, with his former associate, Florida County tax official Joel Greenberg, cooperating with the Justice Department. His sentencing has been pushed back again to March of 2022. Gates, for, you know, ally of the former guy, denies any criminal activity, and there's not currently any indication the prosecutors are seeking an indictment against him, but that doesn't stop those in his orbit from speculating. Quote, Gates's former classmates at William and Mary recently received the save a save the date for their 15-year reunion next April. Some joked that Gates might attend with federal agents. His former law school classmates are anticipating his indictment, said one of his ex-classmates. Uh, For now, Florida politicos, Washington Republicans, and others who know Gates say they're waiting to see what's next in the legal drama, even though the headlines have died down. Everyone's kind of sitting back with popcorn, said one Republican source who worked with Gates in Florida. Also in sabotage, we're coming to the end of the six-month special grand jury convened by the Manhattan District Attorney, man, I can talk, convened by the Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance. There's about a month left. Vance said he would make charging, a charging decision before he leaves office at the end of the year. He's retiring. I'm not sure if he'll file to extend the grand jury another month or so, but I and other experts believe more indictments will be coming. Weisselberg's attorney even said as much in open court recently. We're expecting superseding indictments. So with that, it's time for the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted. No, oh, it is going to be okay. Honey,
2: Dick, indicted! I'm, honey, i oh, they, they can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna
0: be indicted. All right, I'm gonna go with the uh, superseding Trump org, superseding Weiselberg, and then in that same vein, a Calamari official plea deal, and uh, Calamari, Calamari senior, by the way, and a McCani official plea deal. We know he's been cooperating, but I haven't seen an official plea deal. I'd also like to add this week, Eric Jr., Trump, Donald and Ivanka. And then, of course, over down in Florida, we're going to go Gates, Jacob Engels, and Ingersoll, which is 10. I'm out, but I'm going dra- to just go ahead and draft Rudy as an alternate and put him on the bench while his <laughs> well face melts off. All right, that's our show. I hope to see you next week. Please check out the MSW Book Club and the Daily Bean. Subscribe, rate us if you like us. Until then, uh, I've been Allison Gill, and this is Muller She Wrote. <laughs>
1: And And
2: this this is is how we win.
0: MSW
3: Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct.